0: What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Next Big Thing HQ with one of our most exciting interviews to date by popular demand. We welcome on the CEO of DoxyChain, Ian Lowe. Uh, We're very excited to have him on, uh, somebody we've wanted to have on for a while, and something that has been the talk of equity crowdfunding for a while now as well. Uh, they are the world's first global equity crowdfunding ecosystem. Uh, they're connecting numerous, numerous crowdfunding platforms into a united global network powered by blockchain technology. Um, so with that being said, Ian, thank you for taking the time and uh, welcome on Next Big Thing HQ. Oh, it's great to be
1: here. I've I'm, I'm been looking forward to, to talking with you guys.
0: So uh, I guess with uh, that being said, uh, let's hand it off to Connor. Connor, want to start the uh... Ask in the first question.
2: Well, first off, thank you for coming on. We really appreciate it. And with that being said, DoxyChain, can you talk about what the current problems it's trying to solve with the equity crowdfunding industry within the equity crowdfunding industry?
1: Yeah, I'd be I'd be glad to. So when we first started looking at uh, the different innovation opportunities that blockchain presents. Uh, equity crowdfunding presented itself as a really interesting candidate. And that that was based on um, an analysis where we started to understand some of the constraints or limitations for equity crowdfunding. So if we think about equity crowdfunding today, there's there's been a huge amount of excitement around what it's capable of delivering. And in particular, it's, it's, it's seat at the table around you know, the funding of the innovation economy generally. So there's this idea of unlocking uh, uh, capital at scale to fund innovation and fund growth. And then on the other side of that equation, there's this democratization of investments and access to early stage companies that um, prior to crowdfunding are almost impossible for everyday investors to to get access to. So we understand uh, all of those uh, basic benefits, and none of that opportunity uh, has changed. But as we sit here today, equity crowdfunding represents less than one percent of that innovation economy, or the funding that goes into innovation-based and high-growth companies. And it's dominated, of course, by, by venture capital, uh, as it as it has been in the past. Now, now, whilst equity crowdfunding is growing, um, it really comes from a very uh, a, a very modest position in terms of its current contribution. So we, we had a look at this and we, we started to really ask ourselves, why is this? Why has an equity crowdfunding evolved to become 5 or 10 or 15 or more percent of the capital that finds its way into these, these growth companies? And the more we un- unpacked this, the more it became clear to us that this was really a function of a couple of things. And and first and foremost among those is is scale, the absence of genuine scale. So different platforms will tell you they've got 10 or 20 or 50 or 100 or 200,000 investors in their crowd. But of course, each business that presents itself as an investment opportunity is really going to resonate strongly with a very small subset of that crowd, either based on their understanding of that business or based on some personal experience that would give them an understanding or an insight into that particular sector or business model or or whatever it might be. So, So this idea of sort of individual platforms, all of them operating in silos, all of them fighting hard to appeal to an issuer to say, we are the place you need to come to get access to the growth capital you need. And at the same time, fighting hard to build their crowds, all of those platforms operating independently of each other, we looked at this and we said, this is, this is an industry that is screaming out for some kind of network-based solution. Uh, an industry where the idea of an, a, a platform working for an issuer to access capital, but being able to do that not just within their own crowd, across multiple other crowds on multiple other platforms that all exist within a single decentralized network. Uh, we felt that this was a really compelling idea. Um, and at the same time, we realized that blockchain has potentially a very important role to play, particularly as that network starts to grow and the deal flow starts to, to grow with it. Blockchain has a really interesting and valuable role to play uh, in a couple of different ways one is as a a, a, a funds um, uh, moving of funds around around the globe. so if you imagine you're in 50 markets with 30 currencies, you've got 30 times 30 in terms of all the currency pairs in being able to move investment from one market into the market and therefore the currency of the issuer. So how do you do that how do you do that at scale so blockchain, Really, uh, blockchain rails, uh, in being able to move investment funds quickly and cheaply, uh, provides some really compelling solutions. But then also over time, moving towards tokenization of the equity itself, opening up liquidity, uh, future liquidity events beyond just future investment transactions, whereby secondary markets can offer the everyday investor access to, you know, an open market of buying and selling of, of that otherwise privately held equity. So, so blockchain we think is a really interesting and over time very important dimension to this solving this problem. And then the third thing that we've identified—you're getting a very long-winded answer to your question, Connor. I apologize. That's fine. I keep I going. Go the the third—the third issue we identified is that in in a great number of cases probably if not certainly the majority of crowdfunding, really relies heavily, if not entirely, on the community that the issuer brings to the platform, as opposed to the community that already exists on the platform. So this is just another example of the constraints in equity crowdfunding as it relates to a lack of scale. So if we've got 50,000 investors on a platform And we're still relying on the community associated with the issuer to meet their funding target. It just means that 50,000 is not enough. It means it needs to be 10 times, 100 times. We need to think globally, and a network-based solution is is the very obvious way to solve this problem. So, we've set about building that that capability. It's taken us a number of years, quite a bit of investment, to really unpack the nuance of the problem, because whilst crowdfunding in principle is the same concept in every market, it is nuanced based on regulations. Um, you know, Best practice is slightly different in certain areas across markets. So factoring all of that into uh, a framework that allows an API-based framework that allows platforms to work with each other across currencies, across languages, Across different regulatory frameworks, that's really been our our core focus. And as we sit here today, we've launched that technology. We have some foundation partners that we're working closely with to push through a a first deal. And immediately thereafter, we'll be we'll be uh, casting the net much wider and looking at um, talking with a, a whole host of of you know really well established licensed crowdfunding platforms around the world. So
2: you mentioned quite a few interesting points that I want to try and tie together. And I think the first point is that you said that these platforms, they're growing their followings, but it's kind of for the individual platforms instead of for the overall industry. And then kind of the third point you touched on was that a lot of times these startups end up bringing the following. It's not that there's already a following there on the platform. And that made me realize a lot of these equity crowdfunding platforms, they're trying to compete against each other, instead of working together to grow the overall industry. And by competing against each other, it's almost like they're cannibalizing the entire industry because they're trying to get uh, investors from this platform to transfer over to use their platform. And I think what's amazing with DoxyChain is DoxyChain is trying to unify all those platforms and grow the overall industry the equity crowdfunding industry and get more investors in there and with more investors that means more money's going to flow in which means more startups are going to want to you know raise equity crowdfunding rounds because there's uh more there's more flow of deals happening and so i think that's a very interesting point that i really didn't tie together until you just said that how i guess what's the the time frame you have in place right now for DoxyChain? I don't know, what does
1: yeah look so so let, let me let me talk about the, the time frame that's that's really really important to us just some of the things you touched on there so uh, platforms will naturally compete to the extent that they are trying to attract issuers and so any smart issuer will be talking to multiple platforms to understand which is the right platform for them. So that will never change. And that's a healthy dynamic um, and and that's a good thing. Um, the second thing is that under under our model, some really important things don't change. So I just want to make the point. DexyChain, right from the beginning, we identified that we are a non-disruptive proposition. Okay, Disruption is a punchline that VCs love to use in mature markets. Um, that are well down that the, the path of, you know, the, the industry becoming what it is today. Equity crowdfunding is not that. Equity crowdfunding is still in its very early stages um, and it's extremely immature. So this is about a non-disruptive proposition that allows platform providers to accelerate the growth in their own business by making their proposition more attractive and having access to more capital, and so there's a there's a there's a virtuous cycle here where if you've got a crowd of a hundred thousand investors, and through a network-based solution that now becomes five million investors, the quality of your conversation with an issuer is now very different. Uh, you have access to more capital, you have access to faster capital. Um, all of these things are really positive as it relates to what's possible for the issuer and therefore what's possible for the, the, the equity crowdfunding platform. So our role is really to be completely aligned with the objectives of the issuer and their platform of choice and simply provide each of those platforms with a network infrastructure that says, first of all, they always own their own crowd. That will never change. That cannot change. Um, that's really important those platforms will always compete to win the hearts and minds of the issuer and that's healthy and normal and we don't disrupt that in any way. But really what we're saying is if you are part of this network, you have access to a much larger pool of investors. That's attractive to an issuer. It's good for your business as a platform provider. And our model is that we only take a share of the success fee where that capital is raised through the network. So if one of our partners shares a deal with the network, and to make it simple, let's say 50% of that that investment is secured through their own crowd, and the other 50% is secured through the crowds uh, available through the network, then our share on the success fee is only on the 50% that is entirely incremental, and they would never have otherwise had access to anyway. Uh, so this is an important part of the way that that the the model works but in terms of time frame we've set ourselves some really clear objectives over the next 12 months that really revolve primarily around closing the first deal uh, being able to therefore clearly validate the technology the business model all the key components within the technology itself and then growing the network over the next 12 months and beyond so we've got some clear objectives around how we want to grow that network. We've got a long list of things that we want to build into the technology. We, every, you know, literally every week when we sit down and and, and go through our, our product reviews, we see new areas where we can bring additional value to the table for both the, the issuer and their chosen platform. And ultimately also the, the crowd, the investors themselves. So over that, over that, critical 12-month period of growing the network, we've got some exciting uh, new features that we want to bring into the tech as well.
0: So I want to kind of go to the bare bones and talk about the three different types of people that this really affects, which is the investor, the existing platform, the existing crowdfunding platform, and then the issuer of the securities, the company, right? So you have those three people. Let's start with the investor. What is the platform like what is the process of using DoxyChain and how would you how would I become an investor on the DoxyChain network?
1: Yep, great question. So the first thing is that for all intents and purposes, we are probably 100% invisible to the investor. So, as a decentralized network, this is not this is not hotels.com. We're not creating a destination that competes with our constituent partners. The whole API framework is saying we take deals that partners want to share across the network and we make those available to be to be displayed inside the catalog of each of the constituent partners so what's important to realize here is we're not asking investors to come to a different place to access more deals they go to the same platform that they would have otherwise gone to already and they'll just see a broader catalog of investment opportunities okay
0: that's That's fascinating
1: so for the okay. investor, and this is why we say we're a non-disruptive proposition, if if we follow the hotels.com model, what happens fifteen minutes down the track is we are competing with our partners.
0: Right. Which
1: is exactly what you see in those aggregation models today. They compete. Th- that is not that is not a long term viable sustainable model. As a decentralized network, we ingest all of the deals into our infrastructure that partners wish to share with the network. And then we make those deals available through our APIs to be displayed into the existing platforms of those partners. So the investor is going to the same platform. They're following exactly the same process. They literally see no difference. It's just a much richer catalog and therefore a much more attractive catalog of investment opportunities.
0: Okay. That answered my question extremely well. Um, So that... Also, kind of answers my question, I guess, for the uh, for the platform itself. The platform, from what I can assume, would sign up to be a part of the DoxyChain framework. You already talked about the fact that they would get a, a fee; they would pay you a fee for the amount that um, your network is, you know, responsible for raising. So that makes sense to me. Uh, and then the company they really wouldn't see anything different because they are. Do they have any say in being a part of the network? or is that really just up to the crowdfunding platform they choose to use initially?
1: Well, that really is a discussion between the crowdfunding platform and the issuer. Um, I I can't really imagine a situation where an issuer says, well, look, you can expose me to many, many more investors um, Mm -hmm. and have access to a lot more capital, and it's not gonna cost me any more than the fee I've already agreed to, but gosh, look, I'm just not really interested. Um, you know, I, I can't imagine that happening very, very win long. win.
0: Yeah, it's exactly. a win, win that there's, there's no way someone would turn that down. That makes total sense. And I, now I understand the whole non-disruptive solution. You're not really changing anything that these platforms are doing other than making their product better really is what it's coming down to. Their product is becoming richer with, with more deals.
1: Exactly. So the idea is a richer catalog in theory should make it easier to attract a bigger crowd
0: more a, bigger, a crowd. bigger
1: crowd through a a, a a decentralized network should also make it more attractive for issuers so this gets back to sort of something i mentioned earlier we think our role is to make equity crowdfunding as an industry spectacularly successful mm-hmm. um because that's how we benefit we don't charge sign up fees or monthly fees it's purely success based and the other point is that. Um, for all of the capital that comes through the rest of the network as opposed to a platform's own crowd, they would still take 50% of the fee associated with that capital because they've earned the right, in our view, to participate because they own the, they own the deal. They have the contractual position with the issuer. The remaining 50% is split between the platform that is actually capturing the investment and a, and a very small percentage for chain. Uh-huh. So what it means is we're not just saying incremental capital, it's a free hit to the extent that you, the issuer is not paying anymore and they're only paying it on capital they otherwise would never have had access to. What we're also saying is that if, if this richer catalogue that you provide on your platform by virtue of your participation in the network, if one of your crowd invests in one of those deals, you will also make revenue on that that you never otherwise would have made, okay? Gotcha. So So it's a new revenue stream as well as access to incremental capital and therefore incremental fees for every Mm -hmm. platform that participates. And just one other point that I wanna make the way this works, we looked at this very carefully and we saw situations where a deal that might be shared across the network by one of the partners might be considered to be you know competitive or or for some reason just you know not appropriate for for a certain platform every deal that is shared each partner has the opportunity to review that deal and accept it or reject it okay okay so it's not like once you once you once you connect you just get what you get you're still absolutely in control of the user experience for your crowd and that's That's a really important element in all of this. Um, So they have the ability to accept or reject deals, and that's the same for every partner that participates. Got it.
0: Got it. Um, My next question centres around uh, regulation as it relates to crowdfunding. Um, When I initially stumbled upon DoxyChain, I thought this is an incredible way to... um, navigate regulatory frameworks across borders. Um, Now understanding it a little bit better, uh, I understand that it's way more than that, but how will DoxyChain be able to navigate these regulatory frameworks?
1: Yeah, it's a a good question. So the the first thing that we started to understand is that we don't need to be a crowdfunding platform. We we are an infrastructure provider. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we're not, We don't ever see or touch the investor. We don't touch any of the investment funds ourselves. It's all managed by the partners, between the partners. Uh, And so on that basis, we don't need to become a licensed equity crowdfunding platform. We've just got to make sure that we're providing the tools to our partners to to ensure that they can use our technology and remain compliant themselves, okay? So that's the, that's the first thing that we, we, we quickly established. 80% of regulatory frameworks in what I would sort of describe as sort of tier one markets around the world are essentially all about the same things. They're about things like, how are you validating and verifying the people that are actually participating, the investors themselves? So this is everything from, you know, KYC through to verification processes and identification all of the the platforms have their local market regulations and whether they use Daxi chain or whether they don't they can't contract out of those obligations so that just simply doesn't change we don't even touch that part of it Um, then you get to some things like um, the the different classifications of equity crowdfunding are slightly different in different markets. So if I go to the US, there's a couple of different flavors of equity crowdfunding. If I go into other markets, um, UK, Australia, Europe, it's broadly sort of, you know, it's ice cream that comes in one flavor. Um, there are different caps and limits, okay, in different markets. But the idea of a cap or a limit is is a universal construct. So as we look at this, there are certain things that are clearly very similar, albeit with slightly different benchmarks as it relates to regulations across many markets. And there are other things that are quite nuanced. So really what we focused on initially is being a platform that allows all of the participating partners to communicate with each other about what they have or haven't done as it relates to their local regulations. So A classic example might be the due diligence process, right? So each platform has to go through a a DD process with the issuer. Now, the things that they have to check off are slightly different in different markets. So what we're saying is as part of the deal submission process, we capture all of the DD items that have been undertaken. We make that clearly available to all of the other partners in the network. And then if they have additional DD items that they either want or, would, or need to have done, they can request those from the platform that owns that deal, okay? Or just more information on the DD that has been done. So, so there are simple things that we can do. And over time, we'll build on that framework to start to automate a great deal of that. But to begin with, it's just this idea of saying, well, first of all, there are certain regulations that that no, no platform partner can ever contract out of. We understand what they are. Things like basic limits on what can be raised, we need to impose those limits. I'll give you a great example. So let's imagine there's a $5 million limit in a certain market. They go out and raise $4 million from their crowd and then another $4 million comes in from all of the other partners on the network. Okay, so at that point, you're over the cap. So all of that needs to be very clearly understood by all of the partners so that they can calibrate and manage the process as they need to, including, for example, saying, "Okay, we've reached our cap and so we can't we can't take any more money. Um, And being able to do that across currencies in real time. So the technology is really about managing those types of nuances as well.
2: Now, can you tell us a bit more about the importance of the Doxy Coin? And why that is important going forward with DoxyChain?
1: Yeah, certainly. So, so when we looked at this, we started to when when we look at this business at scale and the number of currency pairs, and and the just the sheer volume as we move towards operating at scale of investment funds that need to be moved around the world the idea of doing this through banking rails was just, we actually decided the business cannot work if we rely on banking rails. It's slow and it's super expensive. Um, whereas blockchain in terms of being able to, um, move value, uh, around geographical borders is really purpose-built to solve that problem. So, uh, as we started to dig into this, we realized that what we really need is a purpose-built cryptocurrency and blockchain to manage this process seamlessly and instantly. Uh, so w- we went away and we designed that, that, that cryptocurrency and that blockchain. Um, the blockchain is still in development um, and we hope to be able to launch that very soon. But we're still in a position where on even this very first deal, we will be using DaxiCoin to move investment from one market to another. So it is is a transaction currency, if you like, a a transaction cryptocurrency. And, you know, it's not dissimilar in some ways to other cryptocurrencies designed to do similar things. Ours is very specific to the detail and nuance of equity crowdfunding. But the basic principle is that it allows us to move capital that's invested on one platform in one currency almost instantly and almost for free to another platform in another currency because the issuer needs the capital in their currency that makes
2: okay? so much sense because if you're an issuer there's three different currencies that's going to be tough but that's probably doable but now when there's 50 or 60 different currencies going across it's an absolute nightmare so that makes so, so much exactly. sense and in- the functionality too you can actually see the purpose and why it's important going forward as equity crowdfunding continues to grow and get bigger and bigger and more and more countries start using equity crowdfunding now how do we buy hold sell the doxy coins
1: so doxy coin we, we listed it a little while ago um you know we we wanted to re- release the coin prior to the launch of the of the technology and signing foundation partners, so we've we've done that. It's listed on um, a number of exchanges, so it's 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 readily available and tradable. Um, and of course, until we we grow the business, the Daxi coin will always sort of be susceptible to market speculation. That's that's normal. We understand and accept that. Um, but you know, we've also put a cap on the amount of Daxi coin that will ever exist, based on the amount of investment capital we think we're going to need to move in a 12 month period as the business grows, and we expect that over time that will be in the billions. Uh, so, but there are but there are technical elements to the way that Daxi Coin has been designed and built, and and the blockchain. Um, at the moment, it's a, an ERC twenty token, but it will become a um, a coin, a Daxi Chain blockchain specific cryptocurrency as well. Um, and that'll happen in, in sometime in 2024, we think. So, yeah, there's lots, there's a lot of moving parts. And what we've really tried to, be, to do and be conscious of, and I've, I've sort of built businesses over, over a number of years, it, is to strip it back to its core proposition and, and build on that proposition, both in terms of capability and, and associated value a, as we go, rather than trying to sort of you know, build the, the perfect spaceship from day one this needs to be something that does what it's designed to do very clearly and very reliably and then we build on that as we go
0: so before i transition into the next thing i wanted to talk about i thought of an analogy of what doxychain is and i want you to tell me if i'm right or wrong because i like to think an analogy sometimes it makes things clearer to me for some reason um what doxychain is is almost like a stock exchange where these crowdfunding platforms are the brokers and the companies are being offered on the brokers. And then Dr. chain is offering that sort of exchange to be exchanged between brokers. Is that kind of a somewhat of a correct analogy or am I a little off?
1: Well, well the, the difference there is that a stock exchange is a centralized model. There is a stock uh-huh. exchange that controls processes, uh, inputs and outputs and, and, and they, are the, they are the point where, where that's done. The, the difference here is as a decentralized network, we're purely the pipes, we are just the infrastructure gotcha. that allows different platforms to communicate with each other, sharing deals, pushing investment that's extracted from, from, from different crowds, um, some controls around what they do or don't do in that process, um, some transparency on, on regulatory elements, but in the end, we don't control that network. We just right. provide the bones. The network are, is actually the participants on the network. So, and we will never become a separate destination that competes with those partners. Gotcha. Know, our job is to get more, more investors registering on the platform of our partners. That, that, that's our job. And through the scaling of, of the crowd, have more capital flow to great companies.
0: Gotcha. That. Thank you for clarifying that. That makes sense. Um, so I wanted to transition into a little bit about your career uh, and your background. Um, what would you say are maybe the top moments in your mind that prepared you to start uh, DoxyChain or lead DoxyChain?
1: Well, look, I've I've worked for a number of years in um, in digital media, um, building you know global global platforms um, that you know had a couple of. Sort of characteristics one was sort of as a global marketplace and i've done that in a couple of businesses over over a number of years um and the other is around sort of managing transaction and transaction workflow so i feel like and and of big data as well so i feel like there are elements of all those experiences that have really helped in what we're doing here but i think this overall understanding of networks um how to um how to create a network effect. Um, Things of this nature, I think, are really, um, really important and have been really, really valuable for me um, in the process of building
0: the business. What do you love about being a CEO?
1: Not everything, I can tell you that. Look, it's like anything else. You have good days and bad days. Um, What what you realise... Uh, and it took me a while, I'm a slow learner, so it took me a while to work this out, Um, is that you don't actually have to have the answers to all the questions, but you absolutely have to understand what the right questions are. Um, And so that's that's one of the things. And the other thing is realizing that as a CEO, the most valuable thing that you can be really good at, well, it's really two things. One is galvanizing a team, helping them see the world through the prism of a singular vision that the business is working towards, um, and the second is just solving problems. You know, everything is about being able to solve problems. They might be people people problems, they might be business problems, they might be business model problems, they might be tech problems, they might be client problems. But really, a CEO's primary role in a, in a business like ours, where you're you're building the business, it's very different in a large mature company. is is to be able to solve problems. So. As long as i can sort of get that right four out of five days i i feel like you know um we're moving forward
2: so you mentioned galvanizing the team with a singular vision so what is doxychains vision what is the vision for doxychain
1: well well, our mission is to build the world's first equity uh crowdfunding global equity crowdfunding network so that's our mission but our, our overarching vision is to give equity crowdfunding a significant market share of of the innovation economy in terms of the funding of that. So, venture capital in 2022 invested you know nearly 300 billion in growth growth companies. Uh, equity crowdfunding was less than 2 billion. So, it, its seat at the table right now is is nowhere near essential. We see these constraints, and we think that technology can remove those constraints.
2: So Brendan and I actually were just talking about an article that said, for crowdfunding, they did a study and there was they there was a hundred uh, there was one million dollar raised and from that one million dollar raised, it produced twenty one million dollars in economic output. And so that led us to understand the importance of crowdfunding. You know, if you are able to take one dollar. And turn it into twenty-one dollars within the economy, just from it being invested into these startups that grow and get bigger, and then help solve bigger problems. This is a huge solution for startups that need capital, but it's also a very big solution for continuing to grow the economy and continuing to make the economy thrive.
1: Well, there's no question. I mean, we talk about the circular economy, right? So, um, the, the raising of capital for early stage or growth businesses. Has has all sorts of flow-on effects and benefits. I think we understand that right through to governments. I mean, governments are keen to fund innovation because they benefit in all sorts of ways. So this is, you know, in large part good for everybody. Um, And I think one of the things that really drives our vision is is this democratization of investing. This idea that, you know, we can put opportunity back in the hands of the everyday investor it absolutely must be subject to all the right protections um, and disclosures, that's that's really, really important, particularly at that less sophisticated end of the market. But the idea that the big companies of tomorrow are accessible to everyday investors today, I actually think that's really important. It's not just about growing the pie and having equity crowdfunding contribute to that growth in a really significant way, it's about who participates. Um, so we think that's we think that's enormously important as well.
0: So you, talk, so you talked about when I asked you about what you love being about a CEO. You don't need to, don't need to know all the right answers, but you do need to know the right questions. I might have butchered that a little bit. But um, I guess my question is, what are, the what are the questions that Dr. Chain needs to answer in the next year or two? Well,
1: the first thing that's, that's just fundamentally important for us is we have to be able to to show a certain amount of growth in the network. You know, a network effect business works because you've got, uh, you know, in the early stages of building a network, it's a push. You've got to go out and you say, this is what we're doing. This is why we think it's good for you. We'd like you to participate. But you get to a certain point in, in, in the growth of that network where it becomes a pull, okay, where in our case, equity crowdfunding platforms would look at this and say, look, can we afford not to participate? Can we put ourselves at a strategic disadvantage by saying, no, we've just got our own crowd and it's almost always going to be purely local rather than global. And it's just who it is, you know? Um, look, I'm sure there'll be some platforms that will, will take that path. We don't We don't expect and we don't need to sign all platforms This business is spectacularly successful without signing all platforms, but we will get to a certain point in our growth where the push becomes a pull. We think that will happen potentially quite quickly. So to answer your question, next year, next calendar year is important for us in terms of demonstrating the growth of that network. And look, just quietly, we're very confident about that. You know, I've had early stage discussions and we've been approached by different companies around the world. and. We think what we've landed on here really stacks up um we think the model the, the commercial model we've wrapped around it um is is the right model um we've had that validated by you know countless countless um platforms that we're we're, we're working with or, or we're talking to so our, our confidence about being able to build the network is is high uh, we, th- we think it's a compelling proposition but we 2024, we simply have to deliver on that network growth and we expect to. So that's that's really the number one focus for us in the short term. Over that period in parallel, there's a lot of value add that we can bring into the technology as well. So for example, creating a universal preference regime where platforms might take uh, a series of preference or classifications of different investment preferences, profile their crowds, and then we can immediately identify deals from around the world across the network that match certain preferences for certain, uh, certain investors. And so this gets back to the idea that you know, we must create the network, we must create the scale, but we also wanna to provide tools that allow each of those participating platforms to be very um, uh, surgical about how they promote and profile certain deals to certain investors. Because the reality is that the significant majority of the crowd do not invest in every deal. It's it's only it's only a, a small number, small percentage. So growing the size of that pool is, is one way to think about that. Improving the quality of the conversation between the platform and the investors that are using that platform is another way to think about that. So we're, we're focused on on both of those both of those parts.
0: We're, we're getting towards the end of our uh, time, so I wanted to leave you with uh, one last question. And uh, my question is: What is the scale of your ambition, and what is the scale of this company's ambition?
1: Well, uh, I'll, I'll, quite simply, we think we can change the world as it relates to. Uh, the amount of capital that's available to growth companies um, and how quickly they can access that capital. We think we can change that fundamentally. And if you think about equity crowdfunding at scale with 20, 30, 40, 50% market share, we're not stealing that off VCs. That's all new capital, okay? Um, We also see a really interesting intersection emerging between sources of capital such as VC and equity crowdfunding. We think uh, and we're already starting to see venture capital looking to equity crowdfunding as really a deal source provider uh, where they can validate early stage companies and start to get things on their radar that otherwise may not have been. But to, to answer your question very simply, we think we can change the world as it relates to access to growth capital for early stage companies.
0: I love to hear that. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. I definitely walked in a novice and feel like I at least have a grasp and understand what you guys are doing at a deeper level. And uh, I'm super excited to see where you guys take it and uh, definitely rooting for you and your guys' vision and purpose. Yeah,
1: thanks. We really appreciate it. It's great to great to have the chance to, to talk with you guys. So thank you.
2: Thank you, Ian, for coming on. And. Uh,
1: no, it's been, it's great. I mean, I was excited to, when Vicky sort of said that um, you guys had mentioned us and I went and looked, I thought, oh, well, this is, this is great to sort of sit down and just a fireside chat on something like this. So it's, it's, it's really great for us. And, and, you know, hopefully it's interesting for some of your viewers and, you know, as we sort of go, if you guys want to do check-ins at different times, we'd be really happy to sort of, you know, we, we would love to, tracking yeah. Yeah,
0: we'll take you up on that for sure. And, uh, you know, I think with anything, equity crowdfunding is an industry that is only going to succeed if you continue to bring normal people and regular people into it. And I think it's important when there's something as, uh, that can transform the industry as much as this to make, you know, to bring it down to the basics and help those type of people understand what you guys, what you guys are doing to help yeah. change, uh, change the industry. Yeah, so, right. uh, we were excited, uh, to have you on.
1: Terrific. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks again. Um, that's, so,
0: that's great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Ian. so, uh, with that being said, for all the listeners out there, thank you for listening. And, uh, we will see you next time on next week thing HQ. So long. Bye
2: bye.